Welcome everyone to Where Work Meets Life. I'm Dr. Laura and today's episode is on being yourself at work to create better wellness. So I'm here again with DDS Dobson-Smith, an author, a licensed therapist, executive coach, speaker on leadership and growth and Reiki master, all in the service of helping others grow and become who they really are. 25 years of experience in various senior level roles, executive roles across industries and in several continents in our world. Um, And they are the founder and CEO of Soul Trains, an executive coaching and leadership growth consultancy. Welcome again to the show, DDS. Thank you, Dr. Laura. It's lovely to be here again. Wonderful. So we are going to delve delve a little bit more into this topic of work-life wellness. And I always like to discuss how we can be better in work and better in life and healthier overall as human beings, not humans doing. So how does belonging help people grow and flourish at work and in life? Wow, that's a that is a big question. Um, you know, I think um, when we feel like we belong somewhere. Well, I mean, I, I I'd ask you to just to for you and and anybody listening tuning in, just to do just to reflect on what it was like for you the last time you went somewhere and you didn't feel like you belonged. What was happening in your head? What was happening in your feelings? What was happening in your body? And just notice what that that experience was like. And now contrast that with the last time you went somewhere and you knew you belonged. What was happening in your head? What was happening in your feelings? What was happening in your body? And notice that. And then compare the two. And make an assessment for yourself. Which one of those experiences is supporting and enabling in terms of your well-being? And I'm going to take a wild stab (laughs) in the dark that it's the experience of belonging that is going to be most affirming and most supportive. Because when we go somewhere where we don't belong, the first thing that we try to do is protect ourselves. And one of the ways, particularly at work, that we attempt to protect ourselves is by bending ourselves out of shape and into a shape that we think is going to be deemed acceptable by the people that we want to belong with and to. And when we spend, when we expend psychic energy, um, emotional energy on being, doing or having something other than we are, then that has a that comes at a cost to us and it comes at a cost of our well-being beautifully put and yeah i think back to school days and at, at one point being you know outcasted from the the peer group and just what that felt like it just took such an emotional 
energy and, and toll. And um, yeah, whether that's bullying as a kid that some of us have experienced or whether that's in a workplace, which which can be subtle. And I think that, that it, it does impact our ability to thrive. And I couldn't agree more that be, not being able to be yourself is an energy drain. Um, any other personal examples you want to share on that DDS from your own life? Yeah, I mean, you you touched on high school. I mean, you know, one of the things that I often ask people when I'm working with groups, I ask people to raise their hand if they survived high school. And, and I use the word survived quite deliberately because it is a, it is a gauntlet. Uh, it's a tumultuous times, you know, our, we're in the middle of puberty. And so our body is doing things that we wish it wasn't doing. And, um, and we, uh, we have one foot in adulthood and one foot still in childhood. And we're trying to individuate from our parents and we're trying to be this, you know, we, it's terrible. It's a horrible, it's a horrible time. And I, I don't wish puberty in high school upon anyone, but I understand it's a necessary thing that we, that we have to go through in a rite of passage. And for me personally, as a, as a, a chubby queer teen it was a terrible time i i i was always on the lookout i was trying to find i was trying to find my people and i tried to fit in with the boys i tried to fit in with the girls i tried to fit in with the geeky kids i tried to fit in with the sporty kids which absolutely failed i i tried to fit in with i even tried to fit in with the teachers you know and 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 all of that time, just really trying to be someone that I really wasn't so that I could experience that, that experience of belonging. And I think that the world of work has many correlations to the world of school, you know? So your, the, your head, your principal and the administration has become the board of directors or your boss. Um, your, your classes and your homeroom have become departments. The cliques and factions that you were or weren't part of have become people that you do lunch with and people that you don't lunch with. So there's, there's this archetypal similarity between this time of high school and what we experience at work. And oftentimes when we experience things in the here and now that are close enough in similarity and proximity to what happened at school, our here and now experience can be impacted by our there and then programming. And and I think that happens for so many of us. Yeah, yeah, I, I totally feel it. And I remember there's one phase, my problem wasn't so much in high school, although it wasn't all you know, sunshine and unicorns either. <laughs> but it was elementary school, in particular, the last part of elementary when my mother decided I was talking back and I had to go to a Catholic school instead of the public school down the street, moved me in grade four, started me a day late, <laughs> you know, came into the class and introduced me. This is my daughter, Laura Ann. <laughs> and it just, it wasn't the best star. And in grade four, the girls in particular, they all pair off. They all pair off 
<laughs> and the one who was the the one who wasn't paired off, they you know made fun of because she walked with her feet pointed oh. towards each other slightly, like. Yeah, and Nadia, she's still a friend today. Gorgeous, Italian, beauty, um, very, very smart. But she walked with a slight, you know, and you can imagine them following behind and walking. And they called her the beast. And then for a year, I was donkey. <laughs> so, oh. You know, like the term donkey still, I, I feel like this pang of, you know, um, that was what I was known by. And I remember one of the parents coming in and saying, the boys all call you donkey? That's like totally unacceptable. And uh, I was just used to it by then. Um, and then my mother would go into the principal and try to make it right. But I just, you know, having been on the other end of that, and there was racism in that school and this and that. And it was, my best friend was India, from India, or her parents were, and um, beautiful. Anyway, they boys would say you know turn on your lights so you can see yourself and stuff like this is like 8 1986 <laughs> calgary you know like so anyways I, i'm sure glad that for my kids who are in that age group my daughter's in 11 and my sons are teens but i'm so glad it's so much more diverse than it was back then and although there's still behaviors that are crap i think it's come a long way I, I would agree that we have come a long way, and I would I would also say we have we have we that the the march towards uh, inclusion and uh, and belonging continues. I couldn't agree more. I couldn't agree more, and that's what we're really trying to instill in our kids. So, what I would like to ask you now is about work life wellness. What does that look like for you personally, DDS? I, I love that you call it work-life wellness because um, uh, I I, ref, I refer to it as work-life blend, um, and I I just I just don't believe in the concept of work-life balance because that phrase in and of itself is is saying there's work and there's life, and and I I I like to remind my clients that work is one context of life. And that your life is made up of many contexts, which includes your family of origin, your family of procreation, your chosen family, what you like to do for fun and leisure, your physical health, your emotional health. And it's and, and I like to think of them all as like a, a, a trivial pursuit pie. Um, and the reason why and the the, the reason why I talk about work life blend is because sometimes one particular context in your life is going to be a bigger slice of pie than the other slices of pie and that's okay and and so for me work-life blend means being able to look at all of the contexts of my life and approaching them and experiencing them in ways that are fulfilling and if that means that sometimes my the work slice of my p trivial pursuit pie is a quarter of the pie, cool. That's not a bad thing to me. And as long as that means that when my family life with my husband David needs to take a half a slice of pie, it means that the other slices of pie have to shrink because 
the pie is still the same size. So what work-life wellness or work-life blend looks to me is having some consciousness around the choices that I am making to have different slices of pie when I want them. That is just such a beautiful analogy. We, we played Trivial Pursuit last week and, um, and, and I just can see it. So thank you for painting that picture for us. And I would agree the term balance uh, has to go out the back door. Yes. <laughs> it reminds me of weighing yourself every day and the, the, the turmoil and trauma of that. So it's just, it's never a perfect balance for me, but oh boy, can it be a really nice blend. So I love that term. Um, what has been your greatest challenge though with your own work-life wellness and how have you worked to overcome that challenge? Because you've accomplished a lot. You have a lot of education behind you, you know, a really interesting career, a marriage, etc. So tell me how you've been challenged and got through through that you know i think um if i'm if i can be vulnerable for a moment um i i think i you know one of the places that i experience most challenge in my life is my work i derive great enjoyment out of being in service to others um and and i think if i allow myself to or if i don't keep an eye on it the work slice of my life pie would probably be an entire pie um and at times it it has run away with me and so the ways in which i have dealt with that because I don't think I've overcome it. I think it's, I think my tendency to work um, will always be there and will be something that is deep in my psychology that will always have to be something that I pay attention to. And so I have an incredibly understanding husband um, who is both my greatest friend and my most fiercest critic and david david has learned to and i have asked david to to make sure that they're advocating for their needs in our relationship and and, and to tell me i also have my own coach i also have my own therapist so i've built a support team around me that can help to remind me um, about what is important of all of the things that are important in my life so that I don't just focus on one of the things that is important in my life. I think that's really important for other people to hear that you struggled with that pull to work all the time because you're good at what you do and and you love what, what you do, um, but being pulled back by your support system and utilizing your support system. Um, and I agree, we all need a health team around us, mental, physical, spiritual, and emotional health team around us for those 
those day-to-day bumps in life and those year-to-year challenges and also to be proactive about it. So thank you for role modeling that. Um, What's one book and one podcast you'd recommend to help people learn more about the topic of creating a culture of belonging besides this great one? You could be yourself here, which we'll put in the show notes how to get your hands on DDS's wonderful book. But any other recommendations? Because I could see so many books on your shelf, and I'm sure you have um, a podcast to recommend as well. Yeah, I mean, I think perhaps rather controversially or unusually what the, the the books and podcasts that i would recommend aren't directly about creating a culture of belonging they are books uh, that will help to educate yourself people to educate themselves on the experience of other people and i think when we educate ourselves on the experience of people who are not like us, you know, other people, it really expands our worldview and it can help to encourage new levels of empathy and understanding and new levels of empathy and understanding sit at the, at the bedrock of a culture of belonging. So in the back of that book, there is a list of, resources, books, articles, podcasts, Instagram accounts that, that people can access. Um, but the, the, the book that I would, that I would recommend to your viewers right now is a book called cast by Isabel Wilkerson. Um, it is a fantastic book that, that talks about that compares the, the caste system of India to the racial systems, uh, the the racial bias systems that exist in North America. And then a podcast that I would recommend is called Seen on Radio, S-C-E-N-E, Seen on Radio, and two particular series. One of them is called um, Being White, and the other one is called Men. Um, And those two podcast series, so Seen on Radio by John Biewen, published on um, NPR, changed my life absolutely rocked the very foundation of what i knew what i thought i knew to be true about the social conditioning that we are subject to as we grow up in this world so cast by isabel wilkerson and then seen on radio um add to cart highly recommend well you caught my interest (laughs) so i'll be tuning in um I have more books than time, but that'll be on my list as well as the podcast. And I honestly find walking the dog or driving in on my 25-minute commute, those are the times for podcasts. And it's a good use of time, really. I, I love it. So um, we'll share those all in the show notes as well in the, as in the monthly blog article that will follow uh, these two episodes with DDS. Um, so what would you do if you didn't need to sleep and you could use that extra time, however much that is on average, to do anything else you wanted? What would it be? I I don't know. I, I don't know if this just sounds a little bit too trite, like just a little bit too obvious, but I I have the life that I want. 
one of one of the main reasons why I founded Soul Trained were and and decided to work for myself was so and to take a bet on myself was so that I could enjoy doing the things that I enjoy doing and to not do the things that I don't enjoy doing. And so, you know, I have a private psychotherapy practice. I have soul trained. I have, I, I'm a professor um, in uh, teaching graduate students to become psychotherapists. I have my relationship and that's enough. It's enough. And, and, um, and if I didn't need to sleep, I would be doing more of that. It's as simple as that. That tells me a lot. That tells me keep doing what you're doing. And I wish more people were, were where you are. And I, but I think people can get there. I think people can carve out the lives that are meaningful and fulfilling for them. I also just want to say I, that has taken work. It has taken, like, it hasn't just fallen in my lap. I, I have worked hard at, uh, and may, you know, at, at having the life that I want. Yeah. I'm sure I'm, I'm positive of that. And there's been lots of setbacks along the way. A lot of tough years or days or weeks, I'm sure in there. Um, but you've got to where you, you love the combination of what you do. And I think that's aspiring for many. I really do. I'm very happy. Now, if you could have one wish for a better world when it comes to workplaces and work, what would that be? I would wish that more people would give each other the benefit of the doubt and that more people would assume positive intent. I think the world of work would be happier and more productive if that were true. Wonderful. I, I agree. And that really resonates with me. And thank you so much for all your insights and being on this episode with me on being yourself at work to create better wellness. DDS. I look forward to sharing all this information, um, you know, going forward in this episode, in a blog. And thank you for what you do. Um, if anyone finds this valuable for others in their life or for their organization, please share. Please share the podcast, sign up for the newsletter, rate the podcast episodes that you like, and most importantly, stay well. And DDS, again, thank you so much for your time and insights in this world. My pleasure. Okay, everybody, take care and stay well, and we'll see you in a couple of weeks. Thank you so much for joining us today on Where Work Meets Life. I'm passionate about sharing insights from experts around the world on topics at the intersection of where work meets life. If you found this podcast useful, please share with others who may benefit and engage with us on social media. For more articles, information, and tips, sign up for my monthly newsletter at my website, drlaura.live. This podcast summary contains links to the psychology practice I founded, 
work evolution, Canada career counseling, and synthesis psychology, as well as my current employer, Humans, a nationwide organizational psychology firm focusing on culture and performance. Stay well.